Hey, everybody. On this week of Guys Talking Sports, we're going to get into the NFL rule, um, the possible upcoming transfers within college football, and Tiger Woods winning his eighth of the tournament at the PGA Championship. On this week of Guys Talking Sports. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to this week's of Guys Talking Sports. I'm here. Um, this is E, and I'm here with my boys Al and Ace, as always, um, talking some shit and talking about the different topic in sports. Um, we're going to definitely going to get into a few things, as always. Um, we're going to get into uh, Mr. Bryant opting to transfer out of Clemson once he lost his starting job. Um, we're going to get into a little bit of the NFL football with his new roughing the passer rule and how no one is particularly liking it, not even the QBs. And I'll also get into um, Tiger Woods winning his 80th tournament this past weekend in Grand Tiger fashion. So, um, Alan Ace, how you guys doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Can't complain at all. It's Wednesday. We halfway home. Yeah. <clears throat> um, for the most part, trying to stay awake, I'm trying to handle business, but I'm all ready for this, tonight's episode. So, let's get started. <laughs> All right, we're going to get right into it. Definitely a couple of things, but the one thing that just was breaking news over the last two days, um, the incumbent starter for Clemson, um, Kelly Bryant, um, who had won uh, a lot of games and took Clemson to a, um, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, Ace, uh, BC's championship game. Um, no. The playoffs. Took him to the playoffs. Playoffs. Um, is being replaced by the true freshman, uh, Trevor Lawrence, and he's now opting he wants to transfer midseason <laughs> out of Clemson to um, Greener Pastures where he can start. Um, not like this doesn't happen all the time in college sports. I mean, you can look what happened right over in Alabama. I mean, um, you know, um, the Tua came in um, right at the halftime of the um, championship game Started off a little bit sparingly, but through that last touchdown, right to win the game, and then there was the big controversy of whether who was going to start. And obviously, the question is now being completely answered because that offense is running at a higher efficiency than anybody thought they could see Alabama football run. So, um, guys, what is your um, your feelings about um, Kelly Bryant now wanting to transfer out of Clemson to a different school? Well, being I think as though I'm the resident college football dude up in here, <laughs> um, this is going to be commonplace moving forward. You're going to find a lot of high, high-powered, high-quality stars who were once leaders of their squad, regardless of position, um, are now going to be in a situation where somebody younger and a little bit better might take their spot. And they're going to now take the opportunity with the NCAA's uh, new rules saying that a player who has not redshirted can play up to four games in the season and it won't affect their redshirt and allow them to redshirt after four games as long as they don't play a single snap after four games. They can sit there and redshirt. And you're going to find a lot of players are doing it. Uh, like you said, Jalen Hurt, uh, quarterback from Clemson. Uh, there was a wide receiver, I believe, at uh, – a wide receiver just um, at Texas Tech, their leading uh, wide receiver is now sitting out and deciding to redshirt, and he's going to transfer just because he strictly just doesn't get in the ball like he thought he was going to get, so he wants out. 
So the NCAA started this madness, and this is only going to be the beginning of this whole situation of top stars that are going to want to leave just because they can. But and I agree with you what you in what you were saying. Um, the question is, is that it's really going to be boiled down to what is the NCAA going to do? Um, they just they just enacted this rule. But what I'm saying is that is it going to be enough now for them to make say maybe we made a mistake, uh, maybe we need to do something to implement a rule or to retract this rule going forward? Um, who's to say? Because with the NCAA, you know they make up their own rules as it goes along. Um, so, um, with that being said, I can't be mad at Bryant for number one. Um, you know, just because I understand the fact that you know he's saying that you know he's been there for years. You know, he believes he earned that that starting role, and by all means, you know, to have it pulled from under him on week what four, other week three or four other college football season. Um, I can understand his frustration, and so I can't be mad if he feels as though that it's not working out for him. And he feels as though there's better opportunities elsewhere. Can't be mad at that. Um, the question is, is that are, how long are this is, like you said, Ace, how long is this going to continue? Um, because you, other superstars, I mean, other stars um, in the college football is going to think high, high twice about certain teams that they select. And now knowing that there's better opportunities, you know, are they going to really stick it out? Um, and play four years with the team, or are they going to just com- just transfer to different teams um, throughout their whole college career? Uh, um, that's a good question. Um, kids are going to want to go places where they think they they have the best chance to play, and obviously with the best chance of uh, winning a national championship. You know, teams like Alabama, Clemson all the blue blood programs that have the higher probability of making it to the college playoff and ultimately winning a national championship, they're going to treat their football program more like a professional program, I guess, you know, they're going to say the best person is going to play regardless. And sometimes when you're dealing with nothing but four and five star kids that are coming to your school, when you're thinking you're the best player and somebody else is possibly a better player than you. And it kind of shows then that kid is stuck between a rock and a hard place because now, you know, do I want to sit here and possibly not play again? Or especially with a quarterback position, you know, it's very, this kid, Trevor Lawrence can go out there and play on Saturday and boom, he can get hurt. And (laughs) Clemson is kind of stuck because now the kid that kind of led him to the college playoff decided he's going to redshirt. And now he turned around and said, you know, he feels as though it's a slap in the face. And kind of throwing some uh, some 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 serious shade over at uh, Dabo Sweeney, uh, as head coach or previous head coach. I doubt that there's any sort of uh, mending of the bridges, so to speak, uh, because uh, he said what he had to say, and now it's kind of been a battle of words between uh, with all the stuff that's been going on today. So it, it, it's it's a good rule and a bad rule, I guess. You know, it's a good rule for incoming kids who. Coaches that have the opportunity to evaluate to see if they can contribute right away. It's kind of bad for those who've been in the program for a long time, thinking that everything's cool, but then you got some stud freshman that's coming in and it's taking their spot, and now they're salty, and now they got to go somewhere else, or they could try to ride it out and see if they can win their spot back. I don't know. Uh, it's a double-edged sword, in my opinion. 
I don't think the NCAA is going to change it because I, I, it just all depends. I think it's – I think you're going to see a lot more quarterbacks do it just because it's, there's been a high probability rate of quarterbacks transferring from when they come into one school leading to another school. But I found it very interesting to see that wide receiver from Texas uh, – from Texas Tech. Texas I think Tech. it's from Oklahoma. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, one of those schools. But he was Oklahoma just like – right, he was like, I ain't getting the ball, so I'm bouncing. I was like, well, damn, okay. Uh, you were the leading receiver last season. And just because you ain't get the pass, you know, you ain't get no balls yet, the season's still early. So, I, it's crazy. But, you know, as a West Virginia fan, I'm on pins and needles because you don't know if a player that was a pretty good contributor last season, now you got some young studs coming in, and he's complaining about we have a running back now who I thought possibly could have filled this, this, role, uh, this role Kennedy McCoy. You know, he bit his time. He's he's a, he's a, a true junior. He bit his time his first two years backing up the, the, the starters at the time and running back. Now he's coming in. It's his role. First game, he didn't even come into the fourth quarter because we have redshirt running back, redshirt freshman, true freshman, all these studs, and this dude can't see playing time. So I guess it's, it's attrition at his best, you know. I, <laughs> I Either your squad is really pulling in some major players where this could happen, or, um, or that's it. I mean, it's, you just—it's it's fun. It's, it's going to yeah. be some, some fun. Yeah, I don't know where the um because you said this was rule was enacted just fairly recently, recently, it's right? First year. This is a first, first year. Yeah. Well, it seems to me like it almost sounds like the rule was kind of enacted as a okay, we're letting coaches dip from school to school, you know, year in and year out, you know, without any kind of say so, or they can just go wherever they really, wherever they want to go, um, get a college program going. And then all of a sudden they can leave their, leave their contract, go to a different school. That school might have to pay out some money to the other school or whatever. But I don't know if the NCAA thought that they were going to see this, this rule enacted by high profile players. They might've thought it might've been to appease, you know, less profile players that want to kind of move from college to college. But, you know, I think this whole thing started off basically with Alabama with Jalen Hurts and, you know, mm -hmm. and Tua. I mean, um, you had Jalen Hurts that took them to two national championship games, won one, <laughs> lost one. He wasn't having a particularly very good – and actually got him to the BCS game, I mean championship game in that, in that third year. Wasn't having a particularly good half because, you know, because the scheme, the defensive scheme was pretty good on him. You put in, you know, Tua, he has, eh, he didn't light it up in the second half, but it was just that pass in the, you know, it was an overtime that won the national championship. And then all of a sudden, a guy that's been there for two years going on three led you to two, you know, BCS championship games. All of a sudden, basically, he lost a starting job before the season even started. They could say, they was trying to decide. No, he lost his starting job. The end of that BCS championship game, bar none. Everything else after that was just trying not to have the masses, you know, scream down, you know, Saban's neck. But I think you're going to probably going to see a lot more of this. I think the NCAA is probably going to see how this plays out for one more year, and then they're going to flip it because they don't want to give everybody the impression that they're running a pro-style thing when we all know that they are. They still want to call it, you know, student athletes. But now you got students just changing. Oh, I don't want to play because I'm not getting the ball thrown to me. So 
don't start me more than four games so I can transfer and redshirt and then play immediately. So you're going to see more of this, Ace. I, I agree. Well, the one thing that I'm still kind of stuck on, I've read it a thousand times and I still don't, I still don't believe it when I read it, but even though I think it all depends. Now in Kelly Bryant's case, because he's in his fourth year, and if he redshirt this year, you know, he would technically be in that graduate transfer role where he'll still have that one-year eligibility left if he, once he transfers versus, say, Earl Ross just went to Rutgers and Ash and his BS is going on. And Earl Ross is like, you know what? Screw you. You guys can't complete passes. You got me playing in four games. I want out. I'm transferring. You don't transfer, and you're going to take your talents. I don't know. You take your talents to Temple. Because you're down in that area. They suck too, but <laughs> no, they're better than Rutgers. They are better than Rutgers. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you decide you go to Rutgers, though you, you use your first year as a redshirt year. I believe you still have to sit out a year after you transfer. And I think that's where the differences lay. I could be wrong. I could be interpreted wrong, though I read it a thousand times. I'm still not 100% sure. But I think it all depends on the classification that you are. If you're an underclassman and you use this as your red shirt, you still got the transfer rules where you still have to sit another year, and then you'll still have, in your case, if you're a freshman, you'll still have three years to play three years because you've already used the one as the red shirt. Or you may have three years, four years and three years. I don't know how that thing works. But it's, it's really kind of complicated in a sense, depending on how, uh, how it kind of works out. And you are correct. I think it has everything to do with the coaches up and willy-nilly and these kids. You know, a lot of kids sit there and pledge to go to a certain school based on a coach and not go to that school because of the school. And then they feel stuck because they, they believed in Coach Ross. And Coach Ross then took his talents to North Texas. And now he's stuck here in, uh, at Plainfield U <laughs> <laughs> playing a Hubstein field with some bunch of nobodies because the coach done took all the, you know, took his, 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 his talents and his skills and took it somewhere else. So you have to go for the money. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's a huge risk um, for not just the players, but for the coaches as well, because in doing this now, you're going to lose players that was totally committed to your team um, for a certain amount of years. And, it's a big risk when you try to bring in an unknown and have that be a loss of chemistry um, between your teams. It was a certain understanding of, you know, if I'm going to be with this person, you know, with this team for a certain amount of years, you know, you would think that they would come back and basically say, hey, you know, you've been here, you've been committed, we're going to give you your opportunity. And then to have that opportunity taken away from you, when he didn't really do anything wrong, wasn't like he was playing poorly at this um, this first couple. I mean, they're still undefeated. So I don't think that it was to a point where I think that was more of an understanding there where he's like, I didn't do anything wrong to lose this position. So why would I lose this position? And it's a big risk that this coach is doing because basically – like you said, Ace, um, God forbid something happens where there's an injury involved and, you know, you have someone there that knows, understands your, your playbook, understands everything in regards to the old line, the wide receivers, someone that basically that the, the whole team trusts in this quarterback. 
but now you're going to lose him as well because the opportunity that you took away from him to give to this other person, you know, you lose that, that, that chemistry. You lose that bond there. And I have a real bad feeling that there's going to be players out there that's going to do it for maybe all intense purposes just because they need more playing time or they lose playing time um, or they don't feel whatever the reason is, they feel as though the coach ain't giving them that opportunity. They're going to transfer, and then what's going to happen? You're going to – I mean, basically, it's going to be – coaches are going to lose a lot of respect or chemistry or um, bondness or how you're going to recruit a, another player coming in saying, hey, if you come in, I'll give you – you know, you work hard, you'll get the opportunity when they see you take that opportunity away from somebody. It's going to be a difficult sell for these coaches. It's a big risk involved. Um, not just for the players because they're taking their talent to another team to learn everything from the fly, but it's going to be a big opportunity. I mean, it's, it's going to be a big risk for the coaches as well because you're putting now everything that you're saying about being a part of a team, you're putting that at risk too because these young people, if, if it turns out wrong, it's going to be a bad look. Yeah, I think it's definitely going to see uh... – I mean, like I said, I do have to read up a little bit more on this whole rule. If it's first year, you know, I guess a lot of coaches are going to have to really decide how it's going to affect it. It's probably going to have a lot of influx of transfers probably going on the next few years. Um, probably even see how the way coaches are going to play true freshmen. I mean, you know, do they play them for, you know, four games and then don't play them anymore or, you know, to a bowl game or, I mean, how is that going to, you know, how does that impact their movements going forward? So I think it's, it's like you said, it's definitely going to be a look and see. I mean, you're going to probably see for the next two or three years how this whole thing really unfolds and how, you know, coaches are going to react to kids wanting to say, you know, don't play me more than four games because I want to have the eligibility to transfer if I see that you're going in a different direction and I'm not included in that direction. I don't want to sit on the bench for the next year or two allowing me to transfer to a school where I can compete and start. So I, I definitely think it's gonna, you're going to see a lot of much more influx of probably, like you said, a upper classmen that have probably a lot more, you know, at stake than maybe like a true, you know, freshmen per se. But I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how it does moving forward and if it really affects any of the Power Five conferences, you know, in that respect as well. Well, see, I, I know – I guess I'll say this, and then we guess we can move on. But um, I say this, I'll say two points, possibly three. Look at Ohio State. Um, uh, Dwayne Haskins is starting QB, and I believe uh, – I can't think of the kid who Haskins was uh, was battling all through camp or through spring camp, spring ball. What are you talking and, about? And he ended up losing that battle, though he was the incumbent QB. I think he had already been been in the program three, maybe four years. Where Haskins, this is only his redshirt sophomore, so he came in. Haskins won the job. The kid ended up transferring. He used got a waiver. Ended up playing for LSU, and now you know LSU is undefeated right now, doing some crazy things. Who was that? Uh, who was that? Auburn he beat recently, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So. I say this to say, in a lot of cases, this type of stuff has been going on, but what we haven't seen is the high-profile players that we're seeing now. 
Um, when you talked about, you know, possibility of freshmen coming in and like I said, freshmen, incoming freshmen, true freshmen now have the opportunity. Coaches can put them out there for any four games. It doesn't have to be the first four games of the season. It doesn't have to be the middle. It could be any four games. As long as they don't play more than four games, they can still use them and still get a redshirt. So in other words, uh, you know, you have a big time recruit coming as a freshman. He plays well. He ended up, not, you know, playing for the whole season. But he still has a red shirt that he's eligible to use the second year, the third year, or the fourth year, just depending on when the coaches want to use that red shirt. Same thing with Kelly Bryant. Kelly Bryant had that opportunity to use the red shirt. <laughs> and because I don't think he ever red shirted. And they were going to give him the opportunity to red shirt and then still have his eligibility for the, uh, the following year. But, you know, he was like, the hell with that, because if this dude is a freshman and he's playing like this, I'm never going to get back in because what's the chances? If, I, if you're saying I can't beat him out right now, how am I going to beat him out next season? <laughs> so it's, it's, it's going to be crazy because if all coaches have this in the Blue Bloods, the Alabamas, the, the big-time programs, they're, they're used to this sort of attrition. They're used to having – these studs come in and then these studs leave because other studs come in and, block, and vice versa. So the schools like Alabama, Notre Dame, Michigan, those schools, it won't bother them. Clemson, it's not going to bother them. They're, they're losing Kelly Bryant, they're not going to lose no sleepover. But a school like Rutgers, a school like West Virginia, a school like Pitt, a school like any school in North Carolina, you know, they have high-profile high players come in and somebody else come in and they leave, that may affect their program because they may not have the, the high-caliber caliber athletes to say these other schools do. So it's the, the middle of the pack and the lower-end schools that's going to feel – it's the middle-of-the-pack schools that are going to feel this the most. The high-end high schools are not going to feel it because it's going to trickle down. So the schools, the mid-tier schools are going to get those players, but then the players at those mid-tier schools are going to be pissed off because now you got these other kids coming in, and then they're going to leave. So it's going to be a trickle-down effect all the way through, but the Blue Bloods are going to be Blue Bloods. They're going to, they're going to continue to be who they are regardless of the situation. Um, it just gives other schools that are not the Blue Bloods the opportunities to, to see who their better players are without having to have those kids sit for a year when they could have contributed earlier in their, in their careers. And... But I think it's going to, to be honest, I agree with you. I think, it's, if anything, it's going to make it a little bit more balanced um, in, sure. that, in, in, some, in, in some way because, you know, you are taking from, if done right, you are taking from the high-powered teams um, that is definitely always there in the playoffs and the ranked teams, and they will feel the effects of it. Um, I agree with you. It is going to be a trickle-down effect, and. I'm definitely curious to see how this is going to play out going forward because at the end of the day, it's just going to be, you know, who is basically the better team at managing their players um, and keeping them happy. That's what it's really going to bother down to. <laughs> You're right about that. And I, I agree. It's probably going to be a trickle-down effect. I don't see it changing. I, I see it kind of playing itself out for the, you know, the next two years. The only way – NCAA changes is if somehow this rule starts to adversely affect your blue blood teams and affects the bottom line. And once the bottom line for the NCAA is your, your blue bloods out of your power five conferences, once they start getting impacted negatively, then they'll start screaming. The NCAA is going to change it. But right now 
if it's not affecting those top guys, they're not going to change it. It's going to kind of ride it out and see how it goes. Like I said, unless it does, unless it does, I don't see it. But hey, we never know. You never know what the next two years might bring up. That so is true. Never, never, <laughs> I, I would say never say never. I will agree with you with that because if all their top talent leaves and that and that that affects their depth, their quality of depth. You know, because you're a, a player that's been in the program two and three years ended up, you know, keeps leaving and then you have these kids that are freshmen, you know, true freshmen or whatever coming in, they don't understand the program. So yeah, I can see how a, a, a top tier program might have a small dip. But it's 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 how the uh, the other schools that take advantage of those kids leaving, how they benefit using those kids and you know to the best of their advantage, and try to catch those other teams slipping, to try to get their piece of the pie and making it to the college football playoff. Well, like I said, it's interesting rule, and we'll see how it all plays out. And like I said, bottom line is the bottom line. But switching over to one league where the bottom line is always king, and that's cash, it's the NFL. So if I remember correctly, last year, the golden boy, not Tom Brady, but the second golden boy, Aaron Rodgers, who was quote-unquote the face of the franchise, got hit, got sacked, and broke his collarbone because the DB from the Vikings, you know, the way he got hit laid all of his pressure on Aaron Rodgers' collarbone. Fourth game out for the whole season. Next year, also, they come up with this brand-new non-roughing the passer rule. The same way they adjusted the hits when Tom Brady got hit in the first game, and he got sat out for the entire season. The NFL wants to protect the Golden Boys, and this one is protecting them far worse than I've ever seen. So everyone is pissed off about the roughing the passer plays. DBs are, coaches are, QBs are. I mean, come on, talking about that. So, guys mm-hmm. – I think it was, what, 12 or 16 roughing the passer calls um, this past weekend. I think they said it was like about 50% more than they called in the first six games of last season. I mean, the first six weeks of last season. So um, I don't particularly like it. So how do you guys feel about this BS, you know, roughing the passer rule? Hey, I feel for Clay Matthews. I feel for the cat, I believe, that's playing for the Bills. Oh, no, for the Jaguars, who tried to not put his weight on a quarterback and ended up tearing his ACL, trying to adjust, trying to adjust the way he sacked the QB. I feel for all those jokers, you know what I mean? Because how are you going to tell me I can't take a quarterback down? So I think I was listening to sports radio the other day where a guy called in and said, you know what, I'm happy they're calling the, uh, calling the rules like that. Because they should be able to stop their momentum and just, you know, not tackle the quarterback. They should be able to just run through the quarterback. And they were like, so what the hell does that mean, run through? So what, you're just going to run them over? Well, no, no, I mean, you could you could go, you know, when you teach kids how to tackle at a young age, you teach them how to form tackle, and you pick them up, and you, you pick them up, take them forward, you know, two, three yards, and then you put them down. So, wait, so, so what, we're supposed to, like, pick up a QB and throw them over our shoulder and say, hey, we sacked you now? <laughs> I'm like, that was the most ridiculous call I ever heard in my life. I'm like, dude, it's football. If you're so concerned about everything that's going on, have these jokers sign a waiver. Unfortunately, the concussion thing, I think if you sign a waiver, the NFL needs to to then 
put more money into the whole um, pension and the medical benefits after retirement or after so many years they've been in the league and take care of their players. Because now you see, you might as well just have the two-hand touch at this point if you're saying you can't even tackle a quarterback, you know, for a sack. I agree. Run up on a QB, you ain't got to hit him. As long as you touch him with your hand, play, play should be over if you're going to leave that rule as is. So might as well just take the pads off. <laughs> I was thinking more so to putting the red, um, the red um, flag football, yeah, over him so that oh, they knew the red jersey, like when they do in training camp. Exactly, you. exactly. <laughs> um, no, but I, I completely agree with what you're saying, Adrian. Um, oh, I think that this is at a point where the NFL needs to just. There's certain rules that you could say, okay. I can understand, but this is just going way beyond the scope of playing football. I mean, at the end of the day, if that is all what they're trying to do, then by all means, like, why don't you just make it go even go further than what you're going? I mean, like, you can't stop the defense from doing what they're doing in the middle of a game because, you know, they're in the actual game itself. So when they're running to try and tackle, they're trying to sack the quarterback. I mean, that's what their goal is, or to stop the play. So to put all these rules and infractions to protect the quarterback is starting to become a little bit nauseating um, to the point where fans is, like, complaining. NFL players are complaining. Quarterbacks are complaining. Like, it's rare that you see something like this because they all understand that this is, this is football. It's a game of football. And there are certain rules to protect the quarterback. I get it, but I think this is just going just a little bit too, it's a little bit too much for me. Yeah, I agree. I think I heard it best where I think it was James Harrison was talking, I think it was either this morning or yesterday morning. And he was saying that, you know, as a DB, you know, their objective is to get at the quarterback. Their objective is to take out your best asset of that game so they can win. So if they can put out the QB for that game and he's not playing, then that increases their chance of winning that game. They're not trying to put him out for the season, but if they can lay a hit on him and he does, he's not playing the rest of that game, that's their job. And that's what they've been taught to do, you know, since day one. So, you know, now you want to completely change the way they're saying that, oh, you can – grab them but you can't you know you can't you can't throw them to the ground you can hit them but don't hit them too hard you know you can only hit between the, sh the shoulder pads and you know between the top of the shoulder pads and above the legs but don't hit the knees but you hit them into that soft area you know you got to gently lay them down so i mean like you know <laughs> what do you what are you asking them to do i mean football is inherently a violent sport i mean if tom burton no, excuse me well, yeah, Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers didn't get out, you know, put out for the season like he did last year. This rule doesn't apply because there was a lot of QBs that were getting laid out all of last year. A couple of QBs that got landed on their collarbones, a.k.a. Tony Romo. <laughs> and I did not see that rule come into place. But when your bottom line Golden Boys get even whiffed, now you want to completely change the way football is played. And I think it's just ridiculous. I completely agree. Um, and if I could take it a step further, this is just it's, – it's sad because at the end of the day, 
as much as people are going to complain about it, the question is really if the NFL is going to really do something to amend that change. That's really the bottom line. Um, with this new rule in place, we're going to see how long it's going to last before there's going to be either enough complaints about it or at the end of the day, people are just going to accept it as a rule and move on. It's going to, it's going to, be, it's going to be bad for the defensive side of things, but, you know, there has to be something where people can say, all right, I mean, NFL is going to say, okay, I get where you're saying. Um, we have to be a little bit less uh, mindful of the, the quarterback situation because for whatever reason, it's always about protect, protecting the quarterback, but yet there's no other rules to enforce for other stuff, um, other players um, in place, or it helps benefit nothing but the quarterback. There's no rules in place to help benefit any other player um, outside of the quarterback. Yeah, there's no roughing the running back play. Exactly. Right. Play. <laughs> you exactly. know, they're trying to – they're being a little bit more – the receivers get a little bit more protection, but then as some of them are really getting their clocks clean. But that's what people like to see. Yeah. And to be honest, I've never seen it where the quarterback gets more rules protected for them than the kicker. Or than <laughs> the, the, receive, the punt receiver who weighs for a fair catch. Like – you know, if something was happening to those people, there's like a 15-yard penalty, whatever, whatever the case may be. But, like, there's so many rules that's more protective for the quarterback than any other player. Man, I don't know. I, I still think they – it's football. You sign a waiver. You understand the, 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 the ramifications of the situation. Put a little bit more money towards their, their – the health benefits for when they, they're finished playing, put a little bit more money in the pension, let the guys go in there. I'm not saying they got to knock their heads off, but stop adjusting the rules. I'm all for trying to make it so that they limit the amount of concussions. That's something they should have been working on for years, but I, I commend them for trying to, to take that on. But this whole other crap that they're doing now is just ridiculous. Yeah. Now, if anything, if to be honest – if anything, NFL should be protecting the quarterbacks. The offensive line should be protecting the quarterbacks. Like, that's the bottom line. Like, you can't – if the defense job – you can't blame, like, penalize the defense for something that the offensive line players don't do on a regular basis. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, now you're going to protect the quarterback because the, your, their offensive line can't do it? Come on. <laughs> or at least do it better. <laughs> or do it better, yeah, exactly. Yeah. What are you paying these guys money for? And I, I should know because my Giants has Eric Flowers, and they finally benched his behind because he couldn't. <laughs> he couldn't oh, block. He, he played well that one game. <laughs> Earl's facial expression said enough. <laughs> Come on, man. He, he'll he'll be lucky if he plays, but overall, this is bad. The first game, of the first season, was bad. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm, I'm I'm with the rest of you guys. It's just, it's just uh, they've got a little bit too out of hand. I, I understand what they're trying to do. Uh, they're trying to protect the QB, um, but it's just got to wait a little bit too far out of hand. So uh, while we can sit there still on that, we're going to take a pause to um, represent our sponsors. You know, ever since we started this podcast, people have been asking us for advice. Usually, it's what team to bet on this week. The truth is, we don't know who's going to win. But if you think you know, you got to check out my bookie. And remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's what we always tell people to bet with my bookie. 
I trust those guys. They are the best this season. They've been in business for years. They have great reviews online, and the mobile site is easy to use. Now just lay down some cash and win big today. And we only recommend a service to our listeners. It's been good to us. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game, live betting, the most reward player person in business. And for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over and under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Now remember, use promo code GUYS100 to activate the offer and MyBookie will match um, your listeners' first deposit 100% up to $1,000. Now remember, visit MyBookie online today. That's MyBookie, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. Don't forget to use the promo code GUYS100 when creating your account to claim the bonus. Remember, you play, you win, you get paid. All righty, good. And uh, remember, guys, mybookie.com, mybookie.com, mybookie.com. What's up, mybookie? <laughs> All right, so moving on to that. Real, real quick before we move on to um, um, Tiger Woods and golf, who do you guys think should start um, for the Tampa Buccaneers? Should it be uh, Jameis Winston since his um, four-game suspension is up actually yesterday? Or keep it with Fitzy? You saw if it's magic fizzle. <laughs> I mean, they can, they can sit there and try to continue to ride that hand, but I guarantee you he's going to be crap by week six. <laughs> Maybe back to old Fitzpatrick. <laughs> the one the Fitzpatrick we've grown to love. <laughs> I, I'm not going to front. I removed him from my starter lineup in my fantasy but, um, um, lineup. So, um, with that being said, I agree with you, Ace. I think they um, still got to ride them. Um, even though they did lose, there was a comeback there because I really thought that he should have been benched after that first half. But he did make a comeback, so I would probably give it another shot. Um, and then by week – by this Sunday, and then I would say, all right, you know what, I'm going to really make this decision and say, hey, Winston is still our quarterback – I'm going to give him, you know, give him that opportunity to come back and earn that, you know, not earn it, but I'm going to give him that starting position. So I think, Fitz, like you said, Fitzpatrick did his, did his job, per se. Um, but I really think that game, this game, upcoming game, um, is going to prove whether or not he's either, he's either worth keeping on a starting position or to bring in Jameis Winston. Yeah, I saw the first half of that game, man. And the passes he was throwing were looked like they were live balls. It looked like he was throwing it directly to the DBs. It, it, it looked like the pass was meant <laughs> for the for the defensive end. There was no wide receivers even remotely near where the ball was being um thrown to. So I, that that was just funny. But um, I think I agree. I can definitely see um um I can definitely see with this game, see how it goes. Then I'll have to buy a week if um. Fitz will probably start. If it doesn't look good, then you have to buy a week to get James Winston up the snuff, and then you start him. If Fitz lights it up again, you go into the bye week, and then I think you now you're in a now you're in a quandary. If James Winston is your future QB, the one that you spent your first round pick on, then he has to be your future starter forward. It's not Fitzpatrick, it's James Winston. Because you're gonna have to worry about signing him to a contract next year, how much money are you gonna pay him? Um, if he's not and you want to ride with Fitzpatrick, 
you know, that's at your own risk. <laughs> but I mean, um, then you're going to either have to ride with him the whole year and look to trade Jameis Winston and then move on to someone to take over after after Fitzpatrick. But from Tampa Bay, if he's your man, then let him be your man. But I have to say this as a message to Jameis Winston. Like, you really got to put your act together. Like, you're in a position right now to be the starting quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. No one other is going to give you this opposite, this um, opportunity, to say the least. I mean, you're in a prime position to be the franchise of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So all this stuff that you're doing outside of football needs to be toned down just a bit. Because the last thing you want to do is lose a starting job to a quarterback because of your personal problems and not because it's football itself. I'm not going to say he doesn't understand it. I think he – personally, I think his boys, whoever might have been with him that time in the Uber, should have known the type of joker he was and shouldn't have had him in the front seat with old girl. You know, but hey, that's what they you know there. That's all speculation on in the, on my point. Maybe he wasn't in the front seat. Who knows what the hell he was doing? <laughs> but um, my point, wait, wait. My point is, is that after the first, like, if I mean, after the college, the whole thing in college, like, you should be, you should know from the jump that you know you're going to be in a prime position to be in the NFL. Like. I need to get my act sort of toned down a little bit. I'm not saying to clean it up, but at least be toned down. Like we talked about that with um, Pac-Man Jones about you know about the um going out with the to the strippers and saying we could have just bought them to the house. And you know it's all about just like just toning it down and understanding that you you know you're in the public spotlight. And I think that. He should be in a position – no one is talking bad about how bad he plays in football. Everything is always about the outside stuff. So I think if that was toned down a little bit, I think that, you know, he wouldn't be in a position where he is now competing for uh, for the quarterback position, if he is at all. Because I don't know what the um, Tampa Bay coaches are thinking about right now. I don't know, but whatever they're thinking about, hopefully they went to him and said, hey, man, like you said, this – you know, if we give you back the starting range, this is going to be your last chance. If not, you saw how quickly someone came here and took your spot. You don't get that long, long extension contract. We will go in a different direction and you'll be put out there as a free agent. So it's not going to be if I think when he gets a starting job back this season, I hope he is humbled by everything and kind of, you know, flies straight and narrow because, like you said, if this guy keeps playing good Fitzy, he might not see the field, you know, anytime soon. I think he will before the end of the season because Fitzpatrick is Fitzpatrick. But hopefully this is a learning lesson for him moving forward. Dude sucks. <laughs> so switching gears. They shall. So switching gears over here on this past Sunday, uh, we had um, Tiger Woods winning the PGA Tour Championship on Sunday. Um, his first tour tournament win in over five years, bringing him up to a grand total of 80. Um, wasn't a major, but still, that the ratings weekends, even though it was on the NFL Sunday, was the highest ratings for any non-open tournament all season and basically beat out all the um, Sunday viewerships for all the open tournaments the entire year 
outside of the last one he was in contention. I mean, the man going up on NFL Sunday, which is king on Sundays, he actually had a good slice of the pie of viewerships, and I think more people was watching that <laughs> than they were watching um, watching football. So, I mean, I was watching it up on the 18th hole. The crowds were all following behind them. You saw a sea of people just massing around of them, the kind of crowd you haven't seen in like five or six years. Everybody was rooting for him. You saw all the contenders that was actually playing with him that kind of all just kind of, as usual, as a Tiger of old on Sunday when they saw him win the lead with a couple of holes left, everybody just kind of just faded into the background. People who were in contention for some reason couldn't stay in contention. Rory, who had talked before in the past about, ah, Tiger Woods is not really the same. He's not going to come back. He won't have opportunity to play against him so he can beat him. Had his, had his time in the sun with the man. And what happened? He faded away, <laughs> faded away as everybody else. Um, so, as I say, it's Tiger's good for golf. I mean, he, he drives the business, and they saw what life was without Tiger Woods, and they didn't like it. They see what life is with Tiger Woods back in contention, and they loving it because they're expecting all the money revenues just to flow right in. So, what do you guys think about Tiger Woods back into the winner spot after everything he's been through, even over the last 12 months, I should say. It was just a matter of time. It was just a matter of time before Tiger came back. Because you, you could see he was piecing it. Like, you could see he have a, a, good, uh, a good round here and there. You have a good first round and jack up the second and the rest of the tournament. Or you have a poor first round and then come out in the second round, do okay, but then still miss the cut. And then he'll come out and do do well when he was in contention for one of the Opens and faltered in the end. He finally just came out and played a complete four rounds of golf. Four? Yeah, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. A complete, yep. a complete four rounds of golf. Wire to wire. Yeah. And when he's healthy and he's on, it's deadly. You know, I, 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 my thing is, will he catch Jack? Mm, I don't know. I think he'll. I think he'll get at least one more. I think he'll catch. He'll. Uh, he'll catch Snead's record for the most uh, tournament wins. Most to- tournament wins. He'll catch. He'll break that record. I don't know if he'll break. Uh, if he'll. If he'll catch Jack. If anything else, he might tie him. I don't think he'll pass him. But I'm happy to see that he's back uh, because it, it, it's just a sign of a man who pretty much hit rock bottom. You're talking about a man that pretty much had it all, <laughs> you know, and you lost your wife, you know, you lost his sanity. He, 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 you can might as well say he was addicted to drugs there for a hot second. <laughs> as he said, he over-medicated himself because he was having a hard time sleeping, whatever that means, but we'll go with it. We'll go with what he said. <laughs> cocaine is a hell of a drug. Uh, <laughs> I'm not saying he did cocaine, but... You know, I mean, you, you say what you're going to say to make yourself look halfway something in, in the public eye, especially because of who he is. But to see him come back the way he's come back over the past five plus years, all the sponsors are not going to come back. Everybody's going to come back to him. And he could probably sit there and just take the highest bidders and laugh all the way to the bank as he's going to be breaking somebody's, uh, somebody's record. Because, like you said, he's needed. He's needed for the sport, and 
I look forward to at least watching him next year. Oh, I'm definitely looking forward to see how he, he does in the Ryder Cup. Um, coming up this weekend, see if he uh, if he's going to continue to ride that wave and play play some hot rounds of golf. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I pretty much agree with basically everything that you said. Um, he is needed for golf. Um, you'll see viewerships go up for the next couple of weeks because of this. Um, and to be honest, how they did play it out, you know, I, it's just a matter of time before he's right now he's writing the ship. And it's good to see that he came out on top of this because now you start to see how effective he is as a winner in the PGA and in, in, in golf as a whole, because now there's going to be a lot more viewerships. There's going to be a lot more sponsors that are probably going to want to go after him right now as well. So as long as he's continuing to be in the eye of golf, I think that it's going to better benefit not just him, but for the rest of the golf as well. Yeah. I mean, it, like Ace, I agree. You saw the progression. I mean, you know, he had, you know, spinal back fusion and, you know, and to anybody who's had that, I haven't had that personally, but you know, you know, my, my uncle did, and he he was jacked up for, like, a good year to two years. I mean, not had to learn how to walk properly, but, you I mean, you can't walk, you can't move, you can't do anything. And golf is such so much torque on your back and on your hips and everything. I mean, the fact that he came back from that and was able to play at a high level. And, I mean, you like you said, you saw it. You saw glimpses early in the season where he would have – a good day, you know, maybe he'll have like a low round or something like that, or maybe he'll have like a good moment, but you never saw him kind of put everything together. And then over the season, I think he started to learn much more of not only what he could do, but much more of what he couldn't do anymore. And then once you learn that, I think you start tailoring your game as far as playing to what your abilities are. And like you said, he started putting the rounds together. You saw it at the the British, you know, the British Open, you saw it at the U.S. Open where he, he looked like he was starting to put things together. And then I watched um, on Saturday um, and he did like he had six birdies in the first nine holes. And basically, in my, in my opinion, hmm. I think he scared the whole um, scared the rest of the field because people was like, what the hell? He did six birdies in a row on the first nine holes. And, you know, right there. I'm not gonna say he won it, but I definitely think he um brought the fear back into some of the players. And then when he came out and did a birdie on the first hole, I think everybody thought was, well, fuck it, it's <laughs> that was it. Tiger's back. <laughs> yeah. And so I mean, it was uh, the one scene that I saw in the 18th hole was where him and Roy was walking up, you know, the green, and you saw like it looked like it was maybe like about a thousand people behind him, probably maybe like about like a few hundred, but it looked like it was a sea of people. And Roy just talking to him, saying something. The next thing you know it, you see the whole crowd like about to envelop them. Roy just says, taps him on the shoulder and then just runs off and just like, I'm like getting out your way. I'm letting you <laughs> spotlight. I mean, he just ran and Tiger just comes out of the sea and then he just, you know, you know, he, um, he doesn't birdie, but he pars it. I mean, he didn't win the um, the FedEx Cup tournament, but hell, you might as well gave it to him because people would have thought he actually did win it. But it's a nice way to cap off into the season. I think for all the golfers out there that wanted to see the Tiger effect, all these guys, these young guys that are in there now playing well, that, you know, grew up watching him and wanted to mm -hmm. see the effect. I'm, all I'm going to say is, careful what you wish for. 
<laughs> because next season you just might get it. Well, I mean, I know who I know who will love it. The networks will love it. Nike oh. will love it. <laughs> Golf, the PGA will love it. Eh, the other golfers may not like it so much because their paycheck gonna be a little bit lighter. <laughs> <laughs> but you think about think about. I think I heard on the radio this morning in the beginning of the year or earlier this year, Tiger was ranked, ranked like seventy fifth in the world. It's worse than that. And now, after winning this tournament, I think he's ranked twelfth. 12th or 11th, but he was ranked like a thousand something yeah. at the beginning of the season. And now he's damn near the top 15. And wait till the next season. He'll, he'll easily be in the top 10, if not top five. And uh, he's going to be kicking asses and taking names or taking names and kicking asses, whichever way you want to look at it. But either way, he's going to be doing, he's going to be putting in some serious work. Health willing. <laughs> oh, I, I think, right. I, and I think he's in the best physical shape. I think he's found love. At least what he has his new girlfriend. Um, got He found love. He got the love of golf back. You know, he's in a great relationship with his kids. I think his, his life is just finally hit a nice balance. And he's doing what he actually loves and it's fun to him now. You know, so if he's having fun, he's going to be that scowling tiger that everybody remembers putting on the red on a Sunday and that's the end of that. That's your clear sign to say, oh shit. <laughs> we might as well just put our gloves down because Tiger's about to walk away with this victory. <laughs> yes, yeah, see Tiger was with, with Rory and what happened with him in the, in the final round. Al, it reminds me of the line that um, The Rock used to say where it's a people, do you want to go one-on-one with the great one? <laughs> and he had his opportunity to go one-on-one with the great one and yeah, he faded away, but um, I agree. I mean, all the sponsors, the networks are going to love this. You know, everyone is now is like, oh, we got the man back. Viewership is up. I mean, you can have a tournament, a golf tournament that outview, you know, outviewers a lot of NFL football <laughs> on Sunday. Um, that's a lot to be said about the man. He is who he is. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. So we're coming up on that time. Of course, we appreciate everybody for um, – coming out and listening to us, um, downloading the podcast. Um, we greatly appreciate it. Um, spread the word, let everybody know. And like we always say, you know, tweet us, you know, let us know if there's any topics you want us to talk about. If you want us to talk about Ace's white shirt or is it gray? We'll talk about that as well. <laughs> it's a little bit of both. <laughs> if you want to talk about me not playing Fortnite ever, we can talk about that. <laughs> yeah, I haven't got on the Fortnite train just yet. I doubt I will. If I haven't even cracked open uh, COD WW2 and still has the plastic on, I doubt I'd do Fortnite. This is a great game, actually, but I haven't finished because I had a bad copy, so I got to get a, a, another copy. How the hell did you get a bad copy? Uh, yeah, I'm done. I, I, have to <laughs> I, get to, I get to a certain board, and then, you know, I pass a checkpoint. I die. All of a sudden, there's this weird error. This is a weird message, and then I revert right back to the beginning of the um the stage. Oh hell no! <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, that's sixty dollars down the drain, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm working on that. Anyway, guys, let them know where they can find you. At. Find me on Twitter, Cat Daddy One Nine Six Three, Cat Daddy One Nine Six Three on Twitter. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I am Al Qualls. Again, Twitter and Instagram. I am Al Qualls. 
And you can find me on the gram, Snapchat, and Twitter at J.E. Ross, the number seven. And as always, people, want to thank you for listening to us. And until the next time, this is Guys Talking Sports. One love. God bless. <laughs>